We're continuing. This is, by my count, the fourth Standing on the Promises sermon. And it's the first one uh, where we're taking a promise that you shared. And this promise is from Psalm 37, verse 4. And it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's the promise. We're going to read the first 11 verses of Psalm 37 uh, to get a sense of, of what's going on with that promise. The psalm goes all the way to verse 40. We're just reading the first 11 verses, and that's fine. What the, the first part of the psalm really lays out the main message and theme of the psalm, and all those other verses, 12 and on, get at all the detail and implications of the themes laid out in these first 11 verses. So later on, uh, you can certainly on your own read the whole psalm and get even more. Here's God's holy and infallible word, Psalm 37, verse 1. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. That's God's word for us this morning. So you wouldn't know it if you just took this great promise by itself. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You wouldn't know it if you took that verse by itself. But our psalm is about troubled hearts and troubling times. And that's clear right away in verse 1. Fret not, do not fret because of evil men. Don't be envious about those who do wrong. And then verse 7 and verse 8 say it again. Don't fret. Don't worry. What we'll see today is how in the midst of reasons to fret, we can truly yet stand on God's promises. In the midst of troubling things, this promise from Psalm 37, will calm your troubled heart. God's promise in Psalm 37 will calm your troubled heart to empower you in your life. To empower you, first of all, to place your troubles on God's altar. God's promise will calm your troubled heart by empowering you to place your troubles on God's altar. Let's be honest this morning. Life can be filled 
with joy and blessings, and often is. The Hawks being one game away from taking the Stanley Cup is one small or not so small example of life's joys and blessings and celebrations, but life really is filled with all kinds of trouble. If it's not one thing, it's the next. There's one thing in your life that's a concern, a worry. How's this going to work out? You get through it, the next thing comes. David, who is the writer of this psalm, likely wrote this in his very old age. And his assessment, looking back not just on maybe one event in his life, but he's an older man, looking back on all of the years of his life, all that he's seen, is that life has its troubles. There are certainly reasons for us, too, to fret. Thinking about those we love, those who are close to us, who are struggling in their life. You know, we've got friends, we've got family members whose marriages are falling apart. We've got family members and friends who are struggling with addictions, who have lost their job and are in dire straits financially. And we've got our own stuff to worry about, our own marriages and kids and finances. And for some, on top of all of that, your health, you've got that to fret about. As students, we can fret about whether we can handle this next level of our education, whether it be starting college or or maybe grad school. Young kids can worry about fitting in at school and fretting about those pressures of performing well, whether it's something in your life with music or sports or academics or art. You've got the daily grind of work, whether you're in the office or on the road or probably more challenging than anything the rest of us do, being a mom at home with young kids. People, we've got troubles and, and I haven't even talked this morning about ISIS, our federal government, our state government, the next presidential election, man, gay marriage, Caitlyn Jenner, or how in America the number of committed Christians seems to be sink, shrinking and sinking. And then as God's children, we've got the more philosophical and theological thinking about it all. We celebrate in the church the goodness of God, His righteousness. Well, then why do evil people seem to do so well and thrive? And that's, David's talking about that, among other things. Why doesn't God take care of all this mess just a little bit better? Evil and wickedness just seem to go on with no consequences. There's greed and dishonesty and immorality, no regard for justice or the Lord or his ways, and it doesn't ever end. I mean, we've got enough trouble to drive us insane, and sometimes it does. We've got mental, we have mental breakdowns, we're living on the edge. We feel like we're really going to lose it one of these days. So in the midst of that, of that reality, we have an invitation in this psalm. 
In effect, we're being invited to place our troubles before the Lord. To put it all on God's altar. Fret not. Trust in the Lord. Be still. Let go, believer. There are things we just can't figure out. There are all kinds of things we can't fix. God's word invites us today to let it all go by giving it over to our Lord. I know I shared this with you a while back, a number of years ago. In January of 2006, as our family worshipped and mourned at a graveside service for our stillborn son, Jacob, our hearts were troubled. Why did this happen? The doctor said all was well a couple of days earlier at the visit, but then that morning in the hospital, when we went in to have our third child, they couldn't find his heartbeat. What could God's purpose be in this terrible thing? And it was shared with our family at that graveside service how there are things in life like that that are kind of like those challenging pieces in a puzzle. You know what I'm talking about? The ones that don't seem to fit. This beautiful picture, you're working on this, this puzzle. Some of you enjoy that. Sarah does. I don't. I'm learning. The beautiful picture is starting to come together but you can't figure out where that odd piece belongs. Where does it fit? And maybe you've got one of those, those odd pieces in your life. Maybe you've got a few. A loss, a problem that you can't solve, a burden, a thorn, The Lord invites us to put that crooked puzzle piece aside for now. Those crooked puzzle pieces. You don't have to figure it out. You can't fix it. Let it go. Give that trouble over to Him. Place it on His altar. Sometimes believers are called to act. Onward, Christian soldiers. Stand up for Jesus. Put on the full armor of God. But sometimes, you know, we're called just to rest. To be still and know that he is God. God's promise can calm your troubled heart to empower you to do just that. To place your troubles on God's altar. Second, God's promise can empower you to trust that your father is in complete control. We're called in this psalm, do not fret, let it go, and also now, trust in the Lord. Let God, God is going to take care of it. In his way, in his time, these evil people that troubled David, God would take care of them. In a little while, the wicked will be no more, though you look for them They will not be found, verse 10. Verse 2, like the grass, they will soon disappear and die away. We can leave 
our troubles in God's hand. Trust that Father knows best and trust that he's in control. Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And in verse 31 of Romans 8, If God is for us, who can be against us? God is sovereign. He's in control. He has the full and complete picture of your life and this whole universe in his mind. He knows exactly how each piece of the puzzle fits and why. Your health, your finances, your kids or grandkids situation, the length of your life, this nation, the world, He will take care of it with his perfect justice and righteousness. Sooner or later, in your lifetime or after, we're not promised we'll understand it all, but we're promised that God is in control of it all. And we're invited to put our trust in that. We're invited to put our trust in him, in our God. In the midst of trouble, also, God's promise will calm your troubled heart to empower you in your life to delight in your relationship with Jesus. That's the beginning of verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. And this is, this is interesting language. And in fact, it's not language that we often use to talk about our relationship with God, but it's very biblical. This is about enjoying our relationship with God, taking pleasure in our relationship with God. You know, the Bible uses marital language, language of husband and wife, to describe our relationship with our God. That's intimate, tender language. There's a mystical union that happens between the believer and our God. Your relationship with God is not a firm handshake sort of relationship. We're invited to be like the disciple John, who at the supper table laid his head on Jesus' breast. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Pursuit of God, says, we have almost forgotten that God is a person. And then he says this, The continuous and unembarrassed interchange of love and thought between God and the soul of the redeemed man is the throbbing heart of New Testament faith. The whole book of Song of Songs is a celebration of that very special love between a husband and a wife, and that type of relationship, says God's word, is to point us to our relationship with Jesus. For most of us, I think we do a decent, an okay to decent job of seeing the faith in terms of a knowledge. And we do, I think, a very good job of seeing the faith in terms of our service and action, and that's great. But our faith is also a matter of the heart, a close walk with God, delighting in our relationship with Him, We are the bride of Christ, and the Lord invites us into the bridegroom's chambers to experience delight in him that nothing on this earth can approach. 
Hosea 2 talks about God's people knowing the Lord and uses the same word for knowing as Adam and Eve knowing each other. And I think you know what that word knowing means. We're called to find our deepest fulfillment and longings and joys and delight in our God. And we will be most fulfilled when we do that. Totally satisfied. Pastor Dr. John Piper, in his book, Desiring God, spends a lot of time on this topic, talking about what it means, as the Westminster Catechism says, what does it mean exactly that mankind's chief end is to glorify God and worship or enjoy Him forever. In the midst of troubles and heartache and pain, God's promise will calm our hearts to take delight and find joy in an intimate relationship with God. As a husband and as a wife can be lost in their affection and intimacy, the world's troubles can fade as God blesses us by drawing close to us and we drawing close to him, we can rest our head on his shoulder. It's all going to be okay. In the midst of trouble, God's promise will calm your troubled heart finally to be able to embrace your blessed inheritance. The promise of verse 4 is that God will give us the desires of our heart. And the desires of the believer's heart are ultimately that perfect and blessed inheritance that God has for his children. And this is an inheritance that you're already enjoying today. Think about it. You were elected, friends, before the foundations of the earth were established. Jesus came for you to this earth. And because of his death and resurrection, we're born again. We're a new person. We've got a new heart. We've got new life. Faith has been put in our hearts to receive that gift of God's grace. We were once alienated from God, totally outside of God's family. But now we've been adopted as full sons and daughters of the King of Kings. We're given the fruit of of the Spirit in our hearts and lives, joy and peace and love and self-control and gentleness and kindness and hope. We've been justified. We're being sanctified, made holy, being made like Jesus. You're enjoying all of those blessings right now, and so am I. The psalm talks about also inheriting the land, enjoying safe pastures, enjoying great peace. And that's talking about the life of blessing that people of faith enjoy as we live in this world. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom that Jesus came to establish. And we've got a place in that kingdom, each one of us. We've received the peace of God in Jesus because of the cross, and we can experience the peace. We can live it, and we can share the peace of God with everyone we meet, with our words maybe, certainly in our actions, our entire demeanor. Sometimes we think we need other things to have real delight in this life, and and the world tells us what the desires are 
of our heart should be, but the world is wrong. You ask people, you know, there's some people who do kind of seem to have everything. You ask people who have everything, power, maybe academic degrees, money in the bank, an amazing house, good looks, and you just ask them if those are the things that are bringing them satisfaction in life. Or, you know, you don't even need to do that. Just think of your own life. Something of this earth that you wanted more than anything else, and you got it. I'm sure it brought some joy, some happiness and satisfaction, but only so much. And it's only so long until there's something more or else or better that you desire. But those who find their delight in the Lord are blessed with an inheritance that will never fade and that will fill our deepest need with Jesus, though the troubles might surround us. You know what it's like? It's kind of like living in the eye of the hurricane. The eye of the hurricane, it's quiet, it's peaceful. And we can live like that. Believers can. We do. We can enjoy his peace as we live our lives, no matter what's swirling around out there. And then to think that this inheritance that you and I are now enjoying isn't even fully here yet. One day, like John DeVries, who just went there, we're all going to enter our heavenly mansion. We'll experience the full manifestation of the blessings of God perfectly, forever. And all the pieces of the puzzle, even those that we have to set aside for a time in this life, all the pieces are going to come into place. We'll enjoy God's presence with his people forever and ever. So in the midst of of the whirlwind of our lives, God gives us this great and precious promise, friends, that will calm and empower your heart to place your troubles on God's altar, to trust that your Father is in complete control, to delight in your relationship with Jesus, and to embrace your amazing inheritance. In the midst of your frantic life with reasons to be troubled, God, God's calling you today to just chill. Because you can. Rest. Trust. Delight in this most awesome relationship you have with him. Enjoy him. And embrace all he has for you in Jesus as you live for him. Amen.